0: There are two types of individuals in this world, those that can accept the paradigm shift and those that cannot. I personally pride myself in being able to accept paradigm shifts as that moment where my assumptions, my usual way of thinking has been challenged and replaced in a new and a different way. And that's normally as a result of incoming facts that I did not have originally, new information or being exposed to a different culture than i had had previously in my life today i'm going to tell the story about george floyd and derek chauvin in my paradigm shift that started this weekend surprisingly i wasn't expecting for derek chauvin to be back in the news but i discovered there's a brand new documentary the fall of minneapolis as well as derek chauvin was stabbed in a federal prison so we're going to talk about what does it take to have a paradigm shift in something that is taboo to talk about. So sit back, grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever it is that you're into. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden here on the America Out Loud Network. America Emboldened. Greg, I feel emboldened. You don't know the Founding Fathers, you don't know what they do, you don't know what they sacrifice. We have lost touch with the principles in the Constitution. Nobody's read the Declaration of Independence. You are voting for socialism, and you got what you voted for. Welcome, Bold Americans, to yet another week of episodes here on America Emboldened. I'm your host, as always, Greg Bolden, on the America Out Loud Network. Make sure you're going over to AmericaOutLoud.news, where you can check out all my colleagues' work, as well as the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network, where you can find 24 7 programming available from all of my colleagues, and you can download that in your favorite app store so if you have an iphone go on to the app store through apple if you have an android device go through the android store and type in america out loud talk radio where you can get this show streaming directly via podcast network as well as all of your favorite radio shows that the network has as well Let's get straight into it, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving week last week. I know I did. Uh, We had uh, my family nearby, half my family. My my in-laws were not able to make it as they were uh, traveling and kind of spread out all over the world. Uh, But we're looking forward to gathering with them during the Christmas holiday now that we are getting into the Christmas season. I just got all my lights put out. I just got my tree put up. We picked one out and uh the kids helped me and my wife get everything decorated in the home is looking festive and i'm feeling festive so let's get straight into it all right so on social media over the weekend I saw the story about Derek Chauvin being stabbed in a federal prison. Now, if you've not seen this story, uh, Derek Chauvin was the former Minneapolis uh, police officer who they convicted of murdering George Floyd, where they say that his knee was on his neck for nine minutes. That was the, uh, the official narrative that was out there. Uh, he was stabbed by another inmate at the prison In Arizona, a federal prison out there. Now, this was according to a report that came out from the Associated Press. What made things even uh, worse is this apparently is a medium security prison that has had a ton of security lapses and they've been short-staffed for a long period of time now. And uh, so apparently he gets stabbed and they take life-saving measures before taking him to the hospital for further evaluation. So that story breaks on uh, late Friday. Um, and then there is no updates whatsoever other than he's expected to live. That that's, that's the next thing that we hear that he's expected to live. Now this same Tucson, Arizona federal prison back in November, 2022, there was an inmate uh, that had pulled out a gun and attempted to shoot a visitor in the head. So how the hell does a weapon get in of a gun into a federal prison. Who was managing this thing to begin with, right? So he was sent from a maximum security, uh, Chauvin was sent from a maximum security Minnesota state prison uh, to serve a 21 year federal sentence for violating uh, George Floyd's civil rights and 22 and a half year state sentence for second degree murder. And uh, his lawyer had advocated a long time ago for keeping him out of a general population and away from other inmates because they anticipated because he was a cop for so many years that he likely would be in uh, a target when he goes in there. And so they kept him in solitary confinement during his trial. And he's been in the headlines recently because there was this autopsy report that came out that stated that George Floyd did not die as a result of a knee being on the back of his neck, that he, he died due to fentanyl and drugs in his system, as well as an artery that was 75% blocked, hypertension, and other drugs that were in his system. However, this autopsy report and parts of it were not allowed to be shown in court. And there were a bunch of other things that never made it into courts. But I had my own preconceived notions. And perhaps you, like me, have your own preconceived notions as well. And so today we're talking about that paradigm shift moment. I'm going to talk about mine over the weekend and where I got to where I am now. So I remember when all of this happened and I watched the video and I saw them kneeling on George Floyd's neck well, Derek Chauvin and the rest of the cops in this, uh, maneuver in order to keep him on the ground. I watched the footage from the street that people were filming with their cell phones. And I heard the young lady saying, you need to check his airways, check his airways after a long period of time. I don't know exactly how long it was. And then as she's telling him that she thinks that he might be dead, they're not reacting. They're not getting to it. I remember getting angry watching this video going, man, this is just poor policing, right? Now you got a guy who, yes, he was resisting. Yes, you needed to put him to the ground. Yes, you needed to restrain him. But now you have a gentleman that uh, is not breathing. And how does it become that none of these police officers are reacting to the situation of what is underneath them? And that's what made it very difficult for me to watch back then. Months later, the police cam footage comes out. And when the police body cam footage comes out, I watch that. And I see where, you know, he's combative at the car. I see where they get him finally in handcuffs. He's claiming that he had been shot by a police officer before. And I'm like, oh my God, this guy was shot by a police officer before? Yeah, I can understand why this guy would be completely freaking out about a police interaction at this moment. I didn't have all the facts. I didn't have... entire story, but I had an added piece of a puzzle from the time that I had the cell phone footage on the sidewalk. I now had police footage like the rest of society. Within all that, we had media, which if you know my show, I I never really trust the mainstream media to begin with because the media, I, I feel like normally... Has a populist type of an opinion at this point in time, especially if you're listening to one of the major networks like Fox or MSNBC, you'll get two different types of news stories, and neither of them likely represent the truth. So, I posted yesterday when I found out that Derek Chauvin was uh, stabbed. I said, "Can we address the the elephant in the room? Bad policing." that there was nine minutes in the position of restraining George Floyd and three minutes of those nine minutes where he is likely dead. He's his heart's not beating. He is not breathing. Multiple officers are there. You have an entire crowd of people on the sidewalk saying, please check him." Could he have OD'd? Yeah, he could have. And according to that autopsy, fentanyl was in the system. And I now knew that when I made this post but coupled with the inattentiveness of the police officers, he's dead. And so I stated that making Derek Chauvin a victim is also BS because I believe that neither Floyd nor Chauvin are role models for their respective communities. And I would stand by that period as of this weekend. I took some heat as one could expect. I had people that were unfollowing me for my take and Then I had people that were trying to educate me about what happened at the trial. Now, I remember the trial. And yes, I believe that most of the case was politically motivated. I also believe that a lot of that political motivation was both justified because I felt that the policing was preventable based upon what I saw. And when I heard the police chief state that this was a maneuver that had never been approved, I believe that, yeah, that's bad policing. What I didn't know is that the police chief lied under oath. And I didn't know that until somebody reached out to me and said, Greg, I I would like you to watch this video. It's called the fall of Minneapolis. It's a brand new documentary. You, You should watch and learn. Now this person wasn't really that kind in the way that they told me that. And I told them, "If you want people to watch something. If you think it's important, if you think it has good stuff, Maybe let's not name call. Let's just put out the information. I'll certainly watch it. And I held good on my promise to watch the film. Now, the documentary, The Fall of Minneapolis, was produced by Liz Collin. Now, Liz Collin wrote the book, They're Lying, the Media, the Left, and the Death of uh, George Floyd. This became an Amazon best-selling book. And she did interviews with former officers, including Derek Chauvin and Thomas Lane during the book. And she also spoke with officers who were on the front lines during the riots, people that had to leave. What I did not know was she was also working on a documentary. Now, if you don't know who Liz Collin is, she also has an interesting background. And I'm hopeful to get her on the show sometime later this week to talk about this movie and her work. Uh, The movie was produced through Alpha News, which is a local conservative outlet, uh, and it featured a commentator uh, and former CBS Minnesota WCCO news anchor Liz Collin that wrote the book. And the documentary had a couple claims that I wasn't really familiar with. One I just stated. I stated that they lied under oath. The police chief said that this was not a protocol, the restraint that was ever taught. Meanwhile, they have the manuals that were given to Derek Chauvin and every other police officer goes, yeah, absolutely. That is textbook exactly how we were taught to do this maneuver in order to uh, stop uh, a situation where a person's resisting. Now, Minneapolis police were ordered not to stop the riots following George Floyd's death. That is something that I heard for a while, but The film makes it also clear, especially when they are starting to retreat and literally run away from the riots in their precinct as they give up the precinct for the rioters to destroy. Also, the nine minutes and 29 seconds, that is the amount of time that Floyd's knee was around George Floyd's neck. And the reason I say around is because he was following the police protocol when he did it. And depending on which angle of the cameras you look at, if you were one of the bystanders on the street or a sidewalk, or you're one of the police officers in the body cam footage, it would look like either a shoulder blade or a neck, which is important information. Now the, the movie also makes this claim that the FBI altered the autopsy report. Now, what I found more interesting was the fact that a private autopsy paid for by George Floyd's family contradicted the autopsy report done by the official state uh, coroner long before there was uh, the need for the family to get one, where that autopsy report said there was a 75% arterial blockage, there was uh, fentanyl in his system at 11 grams, where at three, it would be considered an overdose on any other death, that he also had hypertension. And so all of these things likely contributed to George Floyd's death. Now, the other part is they said that Minnesota Democrats and prosecutors rushed the judgment to prosecute the four officers involved in Floyd's arrest because they were giving in to the public and the unrest that was happening in Minneapolis, the unrest that was happening around the country. And so it was a political trial. And that's something that I had already agreed upon before. And someone else I did not know. It took EMTs 20 minutes to arrive, despite the fact that they were eight blocks away. And so one of the people that was on the sidewalk was part of the EMT uh, medical service off duty. And she was the one that was like, can you check those airwaves? airwaves? And they, they weren't listening to her. And so I thought that that was also uh, very important. But the things I want to talk to, to Ms. Collins about, I'd like to talk to Ms. Collins about any conflict of interest in creating this film as well. Because I found that at the end of watching this film, what I decided to do was to issue a redaction and a correction because of the paradigm shift that I had. I don't think that Derek Chauvin or any of those police officers should be in jail for the murder of George Floyd, I don't. I believe that they followed the pro- the textbook example of what they were supposed to do. Now, I will say that the city of Minneapolis should be on the hook in multiple different ways, because number one, had the fire department EMTs arrived and not gone to the wrong site, and had that been. Uh, evidence that was missed in the court so people could have heard that, we'd have a completely different situation. There would be no need to keep that position for the nine minutes and 30 seconds. They likely should have been there, according to reports, within the first five minutes. So had they answered the call, went to the right spot, and the dispatch had gotten the right people to the right place, we have a very different conversation. Extremely. Could you make a case that it's involuntary manslaughter in any way, shape, or form? Perhaps. And that's what I'd like to talk to Liz about. I'd like to say, you know, on an angle of nine minutes in the crowd telling you he doesn't look like he's breathing, do the officers have at that point any reason? Because at that point, everything had calmed down, he's not making a noise. Should they not check on him? So maybe you could get them not for the murder, but for involuntary manslaughter based upon the policies, perhaps. Also, this narrative that, you know, this was a racist uh, attack against George Floyd. That's also something that I found that I had heard before, but I thought it was pretty well outlined that this was a diverse group of officers that made the arrest. Uh, It was a black officer who arrested George Floyd that day, and it was a mixed race group that went into that procedure of holding him down. Now I understand that just simply me doing this entire podcast, there are going to be people upset with me. I'm trying to get to answers because if somebody's serving a 22 year jail sentence and 21 and a half year jail sentence because of murder and getting stabbed for it, and perhaps this was involuntary manslaughter because the police chief lied on the stand, then I think that that's something that people should pay attention to. I think that's something that we should have dialogue about. I don't think we are ready America to have that dialogue because everybody was overly emotional in the wake of everything. Myself included. I watched the video. I got upset over it, but if I'm looking at the facts now and I'm looking at Liz's work and the evidence that had been left out of it, then I would say, yeah, we, we should likely have an appeal process. We should likely have new evidence that's put out there and put in. I felt that this movie, The Fall of Minneapolis, did an excellent job of putting that all together. I also wanted to point out a few other things. So Liz Collin, uh, when she does this, she's also married to Bob Kroll. Now, he was the Minneapolis Police Union president during George Floyd's death. Is that a conflict of interest? to not put into the movie. I just think that that would be an interesting thing to ask Liz if if I can get her onto the show, and I I plan on doing so. Uh, Both Kroll and Liz were targeted by protest outside of their home. They had piñatas of them smashed in a threatening demonstration. And so, certainly, she definitely would have an axe the grind here but i did find that this documentary was not like a michael moore documentary it was not filled with um you know gusto and humor or trying to make a point it was simply here's the facts here's what we have evidence wise and this is what we would like the state and as a result i found that it was a a very good um account of both the situation as well as uh, why Perhaps Derek Chauvin should not be in prison or be in prison for the sentence that he's in already. Now, the last part of this, before I move on today to another topic for the second half of my paradigm shift, is the fact that Derek Chauvin's family is getting no answers. And this is according to the AP as well. This came out uh, late Saturday night. Um, but an attorney for Derek Chauvin. Said that Chauvin's family was kept in the dark by federal prison officials after he was stabbed, that they had no updates over 24 hours later. They don't know how he's doing in the hospital. Uh, the only thing they heard is he's expected to survive. This is completely outrageous, abhorrent, and wrong. A family has a right. It doesn't matter if somebody is a prisoner, it doesn't matter if somebody's in jail, it's their family, and they have a right for their family not to be killed in jail, number one. And number two, to get an update on them, the fact that they cannot get a family notification to them and get communication is complete BS. And so I think that right now, this is all kind of a little bit odd to me. Derek Chauvin speaks for the very first time to a reporter during this film, the fall of Minneapolis, the film comes out and days later he gets stabbed in prison. That doesn't sit well with me. On the other side, I'm going to talk to you about why. Make sure you're going over to americaoutloud.news where you can check out all of the great articles and shows that are here as well as, like I was saying, the America Out Loud talk radio network, as well as all the sponsors that help support the shows. Helps keep the lights on here and we appreciate that. If you'd like to support my show, america emboldened you can go over to buymeacoffee.com backslash bold america you type that in you can feel free to donate to me and i would appreciate that it helps keep my independent views and independent news coming to you every day we'll be right back after the break ladies and gentlemen you're listening to america emboldened with greg bolden here on the america out loud network america out loud. news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. I'm so confused, I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. Welcome back, Bold Americans, second half of the show. We are talking about the death of George Floyd, Derek Chauvin, his stabbing, and this movie, The Fall of Minneapolis, that I watched over the weekend, which caused me to have a paradigm shift. Now, what are the odds? I don't believe in coincidences. What are the odds that the same exact time that this film comes out, the first time that Derek Chauvin speaks to a reporter publicly, and it's going to be published. He gets stabbed several days later. Not just that, but this makes the movie makes this claim that the FBI had influence into the testimony and the autopsy that was given during Derek's trial. Now this is stated in the film. And then a couple days later in a federal prison, he's stabbed and is almost killed. I don't know about you guys, but that doesn't sit well with me. The timing of that is extremely suspect. I'd like to see the video out in that federal prison in Arizona to know what exactly was happening. Now, what evidence points directly to the FBI? Well, one, you can watch the movie, but I'm going to give you some backup evidence. You can go back to June 4th, 2020. Christopher Ray, back when we were having virtual press conferences, talked about George Floyd's death and that the FBI was involved. And on May 25th, they opened up their own criminal investigation into whether or not the actions by the Minneapolis Police Department officers violated any federal laws. And we know that there's a 22 and a half year sentence on Derek Chauvin as part of that FBI investigation. And they said at the time that they were moving quickly in the investigation and going to follow the facts wherever they may lead in our pursuit of justice, except for maybe not where the facts were leading. And the reason why I'm saying that is because the medical examiner was under oath saying that he felt no pressure on the Floyd autopsy report. However, why did he say that it was subdual restraint and neck compression that caused Floyd's heart and lungs to stop on the stand. Why did Dr. Andrew Baker say this? Well, it turns out when I went back into the Associated Press and finding out who might have gotten calls, it looks like the medical examiner, Dr. Roger Mitchell, who uh, (laughs) works at our nation's capital, and we'll get into that in a moment, who he is, He called Baker and was unhappy with his original autopsy report, and he is the reason, according to Baker, he said he considered Mitchell's opinion analysis before he added the neck compression onto his report, overriding the 75% arterial blockage, overriding the fentanyl at the lethal dosage in the system and other drugs. That was the phone call that changed the report. So don't tell me that politics didn't get involved in this, because who is Roger Mitchell? Well, Dr. Roger Mitchell is a forensic pathologist who serves as the chief medical examiner of the nation's capital. He is one of only four black chief medical examiners in this major city in the U.S., and he is an expert in violence as a public health issue, and he's also a regular on MSNBC's Morning Joe and CBS Sunday Morning, who has also advocated for firearm violence prevention research and many other things. But this is the guy that when the FBI gets involved, calls up Baker and says, "Now nah, you really need to put the neck compression on this autopsy report. Now, he didn't feel pressured by it. That's what he stated. He didn't feel pressured. <laughs> you mean to tell me when somebody from the nation's capital that's tied in with our federal government, who has a high profile, calls, calls up and says, Hey, you know what? I read your report. Here's why I think that this needs to be here. And then the person says, well, I took it into consideration. But just because they took it into consideration doesn't mean that they had any type of pressure. That stinks of pressure. I don't know about you guys, but if somebody who's been doing this a lot longer than I have as far as journalism Comes in, they tell me, hey, Greg, I think you might have missed this detail. I think you really need to look into it. You better believe I'm going to look into that detail because I'm going to see that person as more of an expert than myself. I'm going to question myself. I'm not going to think that that person put pressure on me. But the truth of the matter is, it is pressure. It's the reason why in the workplace we have it illegal as far as sexual harassment things for people of power to exert their influence over other individuals, because we know that absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. So this FBI claim, let's connect the dots. If Christopher Ray is behind this investigation and he makes a phone call over to his good old doctor, Roger Mitchell, Roger Mitchell then goes, all right, yep, absolutely. I'll, I'll talk to Baker for you, which we know happened. This is all part of the associated press. You can find all this information. This is beyond the movie, right? I, I'm, I'm doing my own research beyond the movie to get this to you guys today. If they make that phone call and then now Baker feels like, Oh yeah, I'm going to put that on here. That changes everything. But you know what else changes everything? The fact that the procedure that was used to restrain George uh, Floyd, the police chief says, nope, never seen that move before. That is not official protocol for the police, except for the fact that every single officer on the police force contradicts that. And they have the manual that shows the exact move with the exact same placement that Derek Chauvin put. If Derek Chauvin is following the exact placement in that moment, then how is he violated? If if the police chief is lying under oath, how is that not getting prosecuted right now? How is he not the individual that's being prosecuted uh, for lying and causing possibly a guilty verdict (laughs) in this? Now, this is a common technique, apparently, that I believe has been outlawed. At this point in time, it used to be a standard procedure when you have a person who is much larger, where a group would hold people down. You have a person that's in charge of the legs, a person that's in charge of the arms and a person that's supposed to get around the shoulder blade and neck area. And with this, you can get somebody and uh, keep them restrained until more help gets there. But hey, that's just in the manual. They're just following that. So then we look at the response of the rest of the world. We had on our television sets, nonstop, we saw our cities burning. Here in Wilmington, Delaware, I watched as good friends were covering the riot in Wilmington. And the the most horrific part was watching the black community burn down and destroy well not burn down. They didn't burn down anything in Wilmington, but in other places they did, but watching the black community destroy a black owned (laughs) store that has given so much to the community models. Uh, This is a store that was supporting both the black community as well as the rest of the community in Delaware. And that is one that they broke the windows, went through and stole from that was really disheartening to see. And as we saw all this, then, of course, we wanted this to stop. We wanted to see a solution to all this. And even the president of the United States of America, even after the judge said, please don't weigh in on anything, even Joe Biden had to open his mouth because he can't keep his mouth shut, as we're seeing now with Israel. Every time Anthony Blinken's there, he's like shaking his head, please, Joe. No, God, no, Joe, just shut your mouth. Even he weighed in that he felt that it should be a guilty verdict before the guilty verdict. And he justified it by saying, well, you know, they're sequestered as a jury now. They're not going to hear my comments. You know what, Joe? You know who did hear your comments? The rest of America. So there's now pressure coming from, and this was subvertly, right? There is pressure already coming onto that jury. And then you got pressure coming uh, onto everybody else because you know, if that came back as a not guilty plea, that (laughs) Minneapolis would have burned even worse. There are parts of this uh, country that would have burned even worse. And so Derek Chauvin became a martyr, a martyr for the Black Lives Matter uh, cause. And I believe that. I've always believed that part of it. Now, I believe that he kind of deserved it because of how long he stayed on the neck. But after I saw the procedure and I see everything, it caused me to rethink everything. And so now, as I stayed in the first half of the show, I'm more around that involuntary manslaughter type of uh, situation. But this brings up a a larger issue. Why is it that we are still, as a country, still not making changes to make situations better for all? And why do I say that? Well, you know, we get the media that hypes up anytime there's police brutality and everything, but that media is largely silent as children die every single night around cities in America to gun violence and gang violence. And the reason I point that out is because these same politicians that would likely march hand in hand with black lives matter are the same individuals that are doing nothing meaningful to fix the same cities that they've destroyed. Why? Because there are individuals that thrive off knowing that there are individuals that need them. And those individuals largely aren't Democrat cities. I make no joy in making that comment but the reality is in these cities they continue to elect democrat leaders they put them in the positions where it's please help us and there's no help because it's a system that's so ingrained at this point in time that it's a system that encourages poverty and welfare and as a result it encourages crime it encourages the people that live in these areas, white or black to have to continue to fight for their very lives, to have food on the table and have means to an end. There is not a solution that's meaningful coming out of the Democrat party outside of inciting your anger and your violence towards another side and to deem people as racist instead of working together for solutions. And that is the biggest paradigm shift out of all of this. You would have seen me hand in hand walking with supporters at one point in time saying that, yeah, we need police reform in this country. You would have heard those words come out of my mouth. I own it. My own family, are police officers, they're ready to zone me for stating that. They're like, you don't know what you're talking about, Greg, because you're not a police officer. You don't see what I have. The, the, the inherent racism is not a thing here in the police force, the way that the country would like you to believe. They told me all these things and I was blind to it. I was blind to it. But now I'm opening up my eyes. I'm seeing that a police chief would lie on the stand for something that's politically motivated for both their career as well as uh, in order to help a case likely that they felt needed to go a certain way. That's the only explanation I can have to all that. I've seen where there's people that are becoming martyrs now for a cause. And that's a problem or for the causes uh, (laughs) with their, they want, they end up becoming a martyr on the opposite side. That's the better way to phrase that. And I don't see anyone with the real solutions. I don't see anyone talk about poverty. I don't take anyone talking about how these deadly cities to grow up to be a youth that We're not encouraging kids not to be part of gangs, not to be recruited when they're nine years old, 10 years old, not to be shooters before they're the age 16. So that way they don't have to worry about a long-term jail sentence because that's what these gangs do. You know, I've worked long enough uh, in an environment where I know a thing or two about gangs and the way that they operate. I, I have firsthand experience in my life with this. And I understand the games that are played. And I can tell you that the politicians that are calling for gun reform, they're perfectly okay looking the other way as the murders pile up in their state. But, oh my God, is there's a school shooting somewhere else in this country. You best believe they're getting moms demand action to take everybody guns, guns away. They're they're not paying attention to uh, inner city youth and often people of color the way that they claim to. They are, uh, falsely stating that they are uh, looking out for the best interest of minorities. But that could not be further from the truth. You have your own president that makes a statement. if you, You're not black if you don't vote for me. Or I think he said you ain't black if you don't vote for me. What type of ridiculous statement is this coming from the president of the United States? It is race baiting and the Democrats are the worst at it. And so we've got to stop labeling people racist just because we don't like what maybe their uh, R or D alongside their name. As a libertarian, I believe in the rights for all, the, the freedom for all to follow the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. and to not have tyranny fall in the way of all of that. The Republicans, Democrats, they've been at war for quite some time between this. And they've convinced many, many people that if you're not a Republican or you're not a Democrat, that you don't have the moral authority on this certain topic. I'm telling you right now, if you see yourself as the progressive left Democrat, you are the problem in this country at this point in time. If you see yourself as the far right Republican, you likely are the problem in this country as well. These two polar sides are leading us back to a civil war, leading us down a label uh, situation where people are going to continue to be labeled until it incites in the violence. Why does that matter? Because right now we need to start coming together as a country. Right now we need to start finding out what is truth. What are the things that will not divide us? Perhaps we're spending too much time on social media. Perhaps during 2020 in that pandemic where everybody got locked down and they could only live their life through videos online. Perhaps that was a perfect storm for George Floyd in order to grow out of hand and unrest the head towards the streets because people are pissed off about being stuck in their home for so long. Perhaps I understand exactly why we had... This cooking situation in this oven known as COVID, which led to racial injustice, riots and people going onto their social justice mantles. The fact of the matter is we need to probably get off social media. We probably need to stop worrying about how many follows we have, how many likes a, a topic is getting and not worry about getting the hottest take, but instead, how do you bring people together? How do you find a way to remind individuals that if we are divided, divided, we fall? Because that is the greatest problem and threat that's facing not just the United States, but society right now. We have wars on multiple fronts, wars that could get us called up at any moment. China's military over the weekend claimed that the United States was the biggest destroyer of peace and stability. They had an incident with one of our warships where they drove us away, according to them, in the South China Sea. You got the Palestine, Hamas, Israel conflict. You got Ukraine and Russia. We have a election that's coming up right now where I don't know anybody who's actually excited about Joe Biden. But yet the Democrats are rolling him back out like weekend at Bernie's. Let's roll it back. Let's do it again. Instead of, can we find somebody that's young and can energize the electorate, can energize the base and the Democrats are going to lose and they'll have no one to blame but themselves. And there's part of me that actually thinks they want to lose because the only way the Democrats can beat Donald Trump in the upcoming election is by cheating. Right now, Joe Biden is losing in all the polls. If you look at the facts of the polls, he doesn't even have the young vote, the vote that he was hoping would carry him. Now, why does Donald Trump have that hold over people? Well, I would say that he gives off this uh, exusion, he exerts, exusion, that's not a word, he exerts this confidence and energy even for his old age. But you've heard me on the show. I don't want either of them. I don't want Trump. I don't want Biden. I want to get like a a nice common sense candidate that can actually bring us together and end this division as well and call truth for truth and end the social justice injustice that is out there because social justice at this point in time is doing us an injustice the way that it's being, uh, it's not being dished out fairly at this point. It's a heavy hand on one side. And so I'm glad that people called me out this weekend. I'm glad to have a paradigm shift on this specific topic. I highly recommend that you watch the fall of Minneapolis. If you get an opportunity, I'll have a link on my socials for it, as well as on the America out loud uh, feed here with the article that's attached. I'll have it linked right there so you can watch it and then let me know. And I'm going to try to get Liz Collin onto the show. I saw she just recently started following me on Twitter. Maybe I can get that dialogue started and get her brought on so we can get some more information. All right, everybody. I hope I honored your time. Well, will be back on Wednesday on the America Out Loud Network with yet another show of more great content for you and having some great guests coming up here in the coming weeks, getting people on the books over the Thanksgiving weekend and looking forward to getting their voices on the show moving forward. As always, don't forget to support me. Go to buymeacoffee.com backslash boldamerica. I appreciate your support in helping to bring independent views and independent news directly to you through the show. You've been listening to American Bolden with Greg Bolden here on the America Out Loud Network. Be bold, America.